one. Um, today, really excited to invite Thea up here. Um, she is going to bring the word today, and uh, we're going to study the line of the scripture that says resurrection of the body. And uh, this is a part of the creed that is, that is absolutely biblical. She'll share a little bit with you about that. Um, that, is, that is one that a lot of people have not thought about, but is, but is really essential to, to Christian faith. And so I'm excited uh, for the word she's going to bring. And let me go ahead and pray as we get ready to, to listen. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful um, again just for this opportunity to be here to to state what it is that we believe, to know what, what's at the heart of Christian faith, and to understand that um, even more. Uh, Lord, I just pray as we open up your word today and we try to understand it, that you, you would open our eyes to things that we need to see, that we would see the beauty of this promise, and that we would, um, we would just a little bit more trust in you. Would your Holy Spirit be at work to make those things happen? And may the words of Thea's mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord. You are a rock and our redeemer. Amen. 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 Thank you, David. Well, good morning. Uh, I am so thankful that you all could be here today. I was honestly a little worried if anybody would make it at all <laughs> with this traveling. Um, so way to go for making it this morning and really um, for making it through these past eight weeks. Uh, we have been creeding hard for a while, and I know it's tough to kind of stay with that theological uh, theology discussion for, for so long. So I really commend you for that. Um, and I really just commend you for just joining this discussion on what it is that we Christians believe. I mean, our creed is much more than just a statement we're memorizing together and putting on Facebook, right? Um, these are statements that really define the Christian belief. They uh, unify us despite denominations or particular differences. Um, so again, I just congratulate you for taking the opportunity to dive into what it is that you believe um, and allowing yourself to question what that might be, um, and to do so in confidence that those questions are allowed and you are perfectly safe to have them here. What we believe matters because it shapes our life. Um, it shapes our faith, and it also shapes our behavior, how we encounter others in this world. I believe our beliefs are about the world are formed by our theology, our beliefs about God, who God is, and I think that's why it's so important to evaluate and to discuss what is it that we believe in order to both justify and modify our behavior. And I want to be honest with you and let you know, my beliefs personally have been challenged during this series and especially in preparing for today. Um, where we're going to focus on that closing line of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the resurrection of the body and a life everlasting. So when David asked me if I wanted to preach on this topic, I said no. Um, <laughs> and then I followed up with, I don't even know if I believe in the resurrection of the body. Um, and in that conversation, David's eyes did widen. Um, but instead of jumping to all of the reasons why I should believe the way he does, um, he did something much, much more kind. He leaned in, and with a truly inquisitive and non-threatening tone, he simply asked, what do you believe? Um, and so I'm going to actually play a clip that really captures what my beliefs were based on and how I answered that question. Um, how many of you guys have seen the movie The Shack or read the book? Um, there's a scene where uh, Mac, who's the central character, who um, he's spending the weekend with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And there's an evening in particular where um, they lead him um, out into a field. And for that evening, give him the opportunity to see um, all of creation the way God sees it. Um, and as, as that happens, we see um, uh, the field now filled with little light 
beings, little light energy. Um, and it's a really, really beautiful scene. I'm not doing it justice. <laughs> um, it's a really beautiful scene that I really enjoyed because it was just so whimsical and freeing. And I thought, yeah, I, I can get on board with that. I could imagine spending my afterlife um, just as a little a little beam of light, all, all different colors and, and whimsical and together. Um, and I really held on to that because it also helped me not try to figure out what the afterlife is going to be like. Um, it also helps me not have to wonder, what do I have to do with this body when I die? Um, because I'm just going to be this beautiful light energy. And the imagery that was used both in the book and in the, in the movie, um, it's, it's just that. It's simple and it's beautiful. However, it's not biblical. And that's what I want to th talk through today. So some connections that we can make with our bodies and the resurrection and afterlife that are maybe simple and easy to hold on to, but they're really, um, they're really not based on what our sacred text says. Um, and if we dive deeper into our understanding of who God is the, and, and what's stated in our creed, these simple, nice ideas just might not hold up. But let me be clear, if you are like me and you love the simplicity and the imagery um, of an eternity in light, um, it's not my job to change your opinion today, um, force you to believe the way I believe. I do want to encourage you to dive into what are those beliefs based on and how do they connect to your overall understanding of who God is. So let's pray together. Dear Almighty Lord, uh, thank you for light and love and energy and intellect, Lord. We welcome you to guide this conversation as you draw us even closer to you. Amen. All right, so let us dive into scripture. Uh, let's look at that sacred text that we all value so much. Grab your Bible that's in front of you or uh, pull out your smartphone. That's, that's, that's allowed as well. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verses 35 through 44. So this is from a letter written by Paul to the church in Corinth. Um, and he's writing to correct a few things, to clarify a few things, and always to offer encouragement to a new Christian community living together in faith. So I'm going to begin reading from verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he has determined. And to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and stars another. And stars differ from stars in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So like I said, what I want to do this morning is dive into some untruths that um, can possibly be easy to believe um, and talk about them a little bit further. So the first untruth is this idea that the physical world 
is evil. So some people believe that the physical world is where evil lives and breathes and rules, and therefore the physical world itself is evil. And our only way to escape this evil would be to reject worldly ideas, items, activities, and place our entire existence on our spiritual beings in connection with Christ. And this is an idea that stemmed almost immediately after Jesus' death by Christians, um, a group called the Gnostics. And Gnostics believe that the body and all things physical excuse me, are in the world um, where sickness and evil and corruption rule, and so they needed to retreat away and reject um, these things. And they would do this by abstaining from interacting with the physical world um, as, least, as much as they could. And this even led to the rejection of sex, food, and, and water. And this exact belief is one that our creed is working to counter and say, no, we do believe in this. Because the rejection of our physical world ultimately leads to our physical extinction. I mean, we are physical beings. We live in a physical world. Right now, reach out, touch your hand, touch the person next to you. We are physical. This is something we can't deny. We have real things around us that we can see and touch and bump into and trip over. The idea that this physical world is all bad pushes on that understanding of God. Because the truth is, the physical world is of God. God created this world. The very first words of our text in Genesis 1-1 read, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the chapter continues to outline in great detail God's design and craftsmanship on every facet of our physical world. The idea that the physical world is owned by evil suggests that God would create it all and then let it go. Release it and let evil own, and then just simply sit back and wait for our spiritual beings to find God, yet still have to live in this physical world that God created. And don't get me wrong, I realize our physical world does experience pain and suffering, sickness, abuse, and destruction. Yet that does not mean that God is not present. The physical world also brings the bloom of wildflowers in an abandoned field, the warmth of the sun on your skin, the deliciousness of cold grapes on a hot day, and the flutter of new life in a young mother. These physical realities are of God's creation, thus of God, and therefore must be good. Here's another idea I want to tackle. Our bodies are not important to God's plan. And as we look at these advertisements, um, and you can pick your own from today, um, every woman in here, I'm sure, can connect to the notion that the media is often pushing of us to reject our bodies, right, and work to change them in some way. And so as we grow in our connection to God, we can be pulled maybe to the extreme opposite and think that it's not our body that matters at all, even to God. It's what's inside that counts, right? And maybe you believe this. Maybe um, you've been told this or you say this to your own daughter. Um, and I agree. Our value is not tied to our bodies, our shape, or the way we look. I firmly believe if you take your body to the beach, you have a beach body. <laughs> However, if our bodies don't matter at all, 
even to God. How do we justify feeding the hungry? I mean, shouldn't we like take them to a Bible study instead and feed their soul? And how about the previous use of physical torture to invoke Christian conversion? Wasn't that okay since it was the soul that was the primary focus? No, <laughs> I believe our bodies are a part of God's plans. Not only do I believe our bodies matter, but it matters how we use our body to honor God. I also believe that God's plans, plans to use our physical bodies to join God's work. These bodies are more than a sack that carry around our bones and our souls. These bodies are a part of God's plan. I have to return to Genesis 2, um, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. I am struck in the creation passages how God merely says, let there be, and there is, with water, land, animals, birds, creatures, except us. When it comes to forming man and woman, God digs into the clay of the earth and with God's very own hands forms our bodies with God's fingerprints all over them. Then, even greater, God fills our lungs with God's own breath, filling us with the breath of God to give us life. This intensity has to mean something. About four years ago, I started CrossFitting. And uh, CrossFit is an exercise regimen that focuses on core foundational movements. So yes, abs, but also um, baseline movements that our bodies were designed to do, like run, walk, squat, jump, pick things up. And CrossFit is designed to create a general state of physical preparedness for whatever life may bring, the unknown and the unknowable. CrossFit has given me the opportunity to learn what my body is capable of. Because before CrossFit, I have never been athletic, uh, and mostly because I wasn't confident enough to try anything. But through my CrossFit experience, I have surprised myself with what this body is capable of. I have gained respect for this body, its ability to stretch, grow, change, recover. This experience has also increased my awareness of what my body physically needs to function how to best fuel my body with the diet that it needs, the sleep that it needs, and even the ability my body has to tap into energy that my brain has long quit believing is there. The physical experience has brought a strong connection between my body, my soul, and, but it's also given me appreciation and adoration for the body, which, again, not too long ago was one of my greatest sources of shame. Discovering value in the body has increased my appreciation for God's amazing design, this, this gift for us to live our life in these bodies. I mean, God has deemed that our lives begin when these bodies are formed, and they're over when they fail. Again, that's a lot of importance. More so, it's the body that God carried out a crucial act with the incarnation of Jesus. John 1:14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of one and only son 
who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This glory is not presented in merely a spiritual form, but a physical form. And it's this physical body that Jesus walked, talked, ate, and healed those he met. And it was this physical body that was also beaten, pierced, hung on a criminal's cross to be mocked in the most brutal and physically painful way until that body died. Then, Jesus' body is resurrected. And Jesus' resurrection is the foundational truth that our faith rests on. When Jesus' body is resurrected, God overcomes death and sin and invites us into an eternal relationship with God, always. And whether you personally believe in the physical, physical resurrection of Jesus or not, Christians do. More than 500 people have shared firsthand accounts of seeing Jesus in the physical form after his death. They tell of eating with him, sitting with him, even touching the wounds on his hand and side. Jesus' resurrection is the single most important point in our faith and what we believe. It forms our theology on the eradication of sin and a promise of eternity. The resurrection of this body is held in great value. God has plans for the body. Here's the final untruth. Our bodies cannot be resurrected. I mean, maybe you have accepted Jesus' resurrection, but you're wondering how that important process could ever be possible for your own body. Uh, I mean, the idea that me, this body right here, will one day be resurrected after I die, it, it's complex. It's confusing. I mean, for Jesus, yeah, I get it. But me? I'm not so sure. I mean, I'm always stuck asking, well, which body? Was it the body I died in? Is it the best body I ever had? Do I get to pick somehow? <laughs> and, and how is this going to work if I'm cremated or lost at sea? I mean, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And this is where grabbing to the light imagery is so much easier to cope with than this possibility that this body, too, will be resurrected. But how does the belief that we all end up light energy after we die affect my understanding of God and God's plans regarding our interaction in the physical world today? Jesus himself answers this question in his very own words. John 6, 37 through 39. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. Right there. Jesus tells the disciples the entire point of it all, to raise up all of God's people. And this is important to our faith because it rests on God's plans for eternity. We are not tied to the finalization our bodies offer us here on earth, but instead our bodies will be resurrected to be with God for eternity. If I'm stuck on the notion that if I don't believe that my body will be resurrected, if I don't believe that this body is important in the afterlife, 
that really pokes holes into my theories about the body now, right? And if, it's, and if the body is not important now, is it important ever? And how could something made by God's own hands, breathed into with God's own breath, and honored to hold God's self, not be important always? I, I can't answer the scientific processes for how this is going to work, but I also can't explain how God could form the entire universe in a mere six days, except it's God. And we're not the only ones struck by these questions. This confusion is exactly what Paul is speaking to in his letter to the church in Corinth. He too says, don't get swayed by the questions. If you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, you must hold to the resurrection of yourself and all believers. Just as you cannot quite understand how life forms from a seed or the complexity of the sun and stars, completely understanding how God will resurrect and use your body in the afterlife isn't necessary to believe God can do it. Uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 40, there are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. Our resurrected bodies are promised a splendor we do not yet know. It's going to be a new splendor. Continuing, Paul writes, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Without the belief that we too will be resurrected, we lessen the notion that death has truly been overcome and that eternal communion and reliance on our Father, Creator, and Savior is not truly possible. When we believe in the resurrection of our own bodies, we believe that this physical world is of God and therefore good. We believe that our bodies are highly valued by God and that our bodies are a part of God's plan for eternity. We believe our bodies will be transformed and transformed gloriously. We believe our bodies will be redeemed, made into splendor, and tied to God in God's likeness for always. And we can hold to a full life here on earth, as well as trust our resurrected bodies will be used for much more than sitting on clouds playing a harp or standing in a worship service that never, ever ends. But instead, our whole bodies will be drawn into the full mystery of God's existence, a life truly everlasting. Amen. Will you pray with me? Dear God of all creation, Lord, you are magnificent, and we welcome and thank and praise you for drawing us closer to you, both here on earth and all that lies in for eternity. Amen.